Hey everybody and welcome back to the Comic Obsessive. I'm Jason Dehart. And I'm Adam Piles. It's great to see everybody, and by everybody I mean Adam, because this is a podcast. And yeah. <laughs> we've been on a, a little bit of a hiatus, but I think this is episode eight. I, I think, think so. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I believe so. If I'm not uh, incorrectly counting, I think it's eight. And Adam, I was thinking, should I? I was thinking about having like a pseudonym, like a secret identity as part of the podcast. I don't know. I'm still kicking this around a little bit. I'd go for it. You know, we, we could even like wear a mask on our recording, see if that can uh, confuse some people and, you know, throw them off our trail of our real identities. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Of course, I also introduce myself with my first and last name every time we start, but there are a lot of Jason Dehart's out there in the world, so there's that. Absolutely. We have uh, a lit issue. I think this is a very lit issue of the Comic Obsessive because we're talking about the Green Lantern, and my issue, the the copy that I'm looking at right now says the all-new Green Lantern. It all begins here. Um, with the word begins in a slightly different coloration. So this is issue 51 from 1994, the 90s run on Green Lantern. And this was one of my picks. This was one of my picks. I think Adam's going to tip us off to a pick for the next time. But how did I do choosing an issue and a character? Well, I was excited when you wanted to do this one because I loved this version of, of Green Lantern. I, you know, being a 90s kid, it was right up my alley. And I have several of the old issues. I found this one at a drugstore. My dad got me this one when, um, well, when it came out. Oh, yeah. And um, I started, there was a comic store at that time in, in Wilkes. And so it, it got on my pull list and I collected it for, I don't know, two years, maybe two, three. I don't know if it was three, but there were several years or several months where I have them, you know, consecutively. And I, I really enjoyed the, the Kyle Rayner Green Lantern. He, he almost kind of feels like my Green Lantern because he hit me at that formative time, you know, those formative mm-hmm. years of being a teenager and everything. What's your experience with Green Lantern as a character? Same, same. I think this was my Green Lantern as well. I did have the superpowers action figure, but I was not an avid Green Lantern fan. This was probably the run that got me in on Green Lantern. And I was thinking about this, like, you could could probably do a pretty mediocre Batman story or Flash story, and I'll track with you, because they were both so big just as I started getting into comics, which also was because of spinner racks at pharmacies big big hat tip to spinner racks at pharmacies right now in the 80s and 90s um but i feel like a green lantern story has to be a particular kind of story to really catch my attention and this is one that does that Uh, i really like the introduction of the character or the reintroduction because the the golden age lantern I mean, back when Flash wore like a helmet, like that big disc on his head, the Golden Age Green Lantern has that like green cloak, right? Am I thinking about that right? That's kind of has the pop up collar and the mask and everything. And then you've got sort of the the Hal Jordan look, um, which is, of course, as popularized by the Ryan Reynolds 2011 film, which is much loved by fans, much loved by fans everywhere. 
um, one of the classic uh, superhero movies. Right. But, uh, you know, and I feel like that look kind of gets a lot of play, even when you're thinking about like the current Lantern, that it kind of looks that way. But we have a, a slightly different concept here with the Kyle Rayner Green Lantern. So this was this was really nice to step back into and uh, kind of remember some of the pieces as I remembered them but also notice some things for the first time as well. Yeah. I, I always like the concept of green lantern, like the space police basically mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, and having to recharge the, the ring and based off of willpower that was, you know, what he could construct was based off of willpower and everything. And I also have to say that the original how, how Jordan suit <clears throat> I, I think it's one of the best design suits mm -hmm. in comics. I'm not like the biggest Green Lantern fan. I have nothing against him. <clears throat> um, but just that suit, the way it, the, the color scheme worked, like yeah. I, I know this sounds maybe like a weird thing to point out, but like the white gloves on that suit made it for me. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah, that contrast, yeah. Yeah, there was something about the white gloves that made that suit pop. And so it was such a classic design. Um, and I didn't have a whole lot of experience with him as a character either. Um, and this was where I, I knew, started to know more about the Green Lanterns in general. I knew about the, the battery and I knew about the other Green Lanterns and the fact that they were space police and all that. And the... Uh, allergy not allergy but their weakness there you go their weakness oh yeah yellow um, yeah that was always an interesting little concept and if i remember right the, the golden age green lantern um alan scott mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i don't think his ring worked against wood does that sound right to you or am i totally right, right? That i i would have to look that up i don't know i mean that would be yeah, that would be interesting. I'm going to have to look that up, and I'll do that in real time. Um, but yeah, that's that idea of like the color yellow. I feel like you have to be a really creative writer to make good use of that. You know? Yeah. I saw a meme recently that was talking about Green Lantern being the only character who could be defeated by a pile of bananas. Right. Yeah. So I mean, like a banana peel could be a bad thing for him. Um, so you, you do really have to be thoughtful with, with that and how to work those parts of the story. Yeah. Um, and the, you know, you've got Martian Manhunter whose big thing is fire, right? Um, you've got Superman who has kryptonite and, and Green Lantern has an entire color scheme. So right. it's, it's kind of interesting little quirk there. Yeah. Um, like you, I also love that he kind of has that space police affiliation. So I'm saying he, but a green lantern could be pretty much anybody. Oh yeah. That's another cool aspect of the character. And I am confirming right now that Alan Scott's ring could not affect anything made of wood or oh. plant matter. Oh, I didn't know about plant matter. I just, well, I mean, I guess wood is plant matter in a way, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought I had read that somewhere. I have no idea where um, I always liked that. The how Jordan Green Lantern seemed to be buddies with Flash. They seemed mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. Barry Allen Flash, and then of course he did that really famous, you know, so highly regarded run with Green Arrow in his book. Oh, yeah. And kind of 
balance each other out. Like Green Arrow was like the, the big liberal and Hal Jordan was supposed to be more on the conservative side in the seventies. And they went on a journey together kind of, what was it called? Hard traveling heroes. Is that right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They traveled across. I love that, that stuff. That was fun. It, I mean, what Neil Adams, you can't go wrong with Neil Adams art. Yeah. Denny O'Neill writing that. That was, that was fun stuff. And some people say that that issue of Green Arrow, Green Lantern, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, whichever it was, um, that one issue was speedy on the cover. Oh, yeah. The, using the drugs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that kick-started the Bronze Age. Some yeah. people say it's the, the death of Gwen with Spider-Man. Um, but it, let's see. I think that issue came out in 71, and I think Gwen died in 73 maybe but that that issue kicked off the bronze age with like a grittier feel and more real world issues and yeah and things like that but um none of this is about kyle rayner so we're doing a or i'm doing a really good job of staying on topic right now no no it's all good it's all good <laughs> i'm thinking now about like the trajectory into the late 80s and how comics worked then you know um but the the Green Lantern character, I mean, this is kind of a celebration of that that whole thing, and those team ups are amazing. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I really like about Green Lantern, just in general as a character, is I feel like he has the coolest sort of catchphrase thing. Um, I mean, Superman's got faster than a speeding bullet, which was popularized by the television show, I guess. But that whole in brightest day, in darkest oh, yeah. night. I love that. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's one, and this is going to probably make me sound a little nerdy, but I embrace it. Uh, it gives me chills to, to you know, hear that recited. And Batman really doesn't have a catchphrase like that. As cool of a character as Batman is, I mean, he's got, I'm Batman, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's kind of his thing. But I love that sort of chant that you have to say to be affiliated with the, the Green Lanterns. And there are folks that have done some amazing stories with the Green Lanterns. I was going to give a shout out to Min Lei, who recently came out with a book called Green Lantern Alliance, which was a sequel to Green Lantern Legacy, wherein we have a grandmother, a Vietnamese grandmother, who is a Green Lantern and passes the, the lantern on down the power ring to her grandson, which is just kind of a cool thing. And you know, men lay talking about that um, sort of cultural representation and experience. So I, I love the creative directions you can take with Green Lantern versus yeah. again, Batman, where it's like, okay, maybe Dick Grayson's going to be Batman or maybe, you know, uh, Damien's going to take over the mantle or whatever. Um, I mean, with Green Lantern, anybody, anybody can be a lantern. Yeah. Yeah. And they had, you know, it wasn't just how Jordan here on earth, they had John Stewart, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then they had, and I, I guess the point was to hate Guy Gardner, but yeah, man, I really did. Like I did too. I hated his stupid bowl cut. I hated mm-hmm. his stupid, like jerk attitude. And oh yeah, did you ever read that where in the Justice League, where it wasn't like the classic league, but it did have Batman, and like Guy Gardner was like mouthing off. Yeah. And then Batman with one punch takes <laughs> it down. And it was it was like this kind of famous little 
uh, scenario that happened there. I, I, I enjoyed that when I read that because, like I say, that guy was obnoxious. I mean, I, which I guess that was his character. They did a good even, job, I guess. Even the way he was drawn, I mean, I feel like the artists that were working on Guy Gardner always captured that, like, smug. And, and you're right about the bowl cut. Uh, I think Jim Carrey might have saved the reputation of the bowl cut yeah. after Guy Gardner. But, yeah, um, definitely. And, and Kilowog, of course. I mean, you've got yeah. these, like, otherworldly characters, yeah. too. Uh, but John Stewart was really cool. Um, not the person from Comedy Central. Although he's cool, too. I like him. Yeah. Yeah. If I was going to pick someone in real life to be a Green Lantern, it might be Jon Stewart. That'd be awesome. That guy. Yeah. 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 You get, like, a really good joke and then um, have something like Green made of the ring, you know? Yeah. It, yeah. it could work. He could, uh, he could create an entirely new, like, comedy show with the ring or maybe an entirely new uh comedy special or even he's he's gotten really into politics so he could do some interesting stuff with that ring but yeah. uh, listen to me digressing now i'm talking yeah. about the other john stewart well setting the scene here for this green lantern and kyle rayner and everything um the the og the the, the hal jordan guy mm -hmm. so i guess it kind of has its roots with the death of superman right because we we could there 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 could be several minutes of discussion of this, but basically, um, with the death of Superman, there was also the destruction of was it Key? What was the name of Hal Jordan City? Do you remember Keystone? I, I don't. That sounds right. That sounds right. Um, I'll do another fact check for us while we're okay. You do a fact air. check and I'll set us up here with um, so how Jordan loses his city. He cannot defend his city here on Earth. And it's like mass destruction and mass death. And it, it makes him cross the line. And he ends up killing everybody, um, mm -hmm. all of the Green Lantern Corps and um, became somebody named Parallax. And he gets defeated and there was like one guardian left and that guardian found Kyle Rayner and gave him the, the ring. And that's how we get Kyle Rayner as the, basically the last green lantern. And I guess they were trying to, you know, um, maybe purify the concept. Maybe mm -hmm. I'd become too diluted with all the green lanterns. Um, it, <clears throat> it kind of reminds me though that how much shakeup happened in like the comic fictional worlds because I've read that Jim Shooter who was editor-in-chief of Marvel in the mm -hmm. late 70s and through the 80s wanted to do something called the Big Bang where he restarted Marvel and they, yeah. they did something called the New Universe but it was its own separate thing but like um he wanted to replace Cap and Thor and Iron Man, and he wanted to replace all the heavy hitters uh, with brand new characters, and they kind of did with like John Walker replacing Cap for a while, and Eric Masterson replacing Thor. Um, and then in the '90s, it kept going with like trying to replace Peter Parker with Ben Riley, right? And then 
Barry died, this hopping over to DC, Barry died and Wally took up the mantle of the flash. So there was a whole lot of shakeup mm-hmm. with like the classic characters. And I mean, even you mentioned the death of Superman, which is like the pivotal or at least one of the pivotal events in comics in the early 90s. And then that character goes on this really interesting trajectory where you've got like mullet Superman for a while. And then you've got like Billy Ray Cyrus Superman or something. And then you've got um, remember the reintroduction of Superman is like they gave him almost a Kyle Rayner kind of look like he had the lightning on his suit and kind of a fancy haircut and all of this stuff. Um, So, yeah, I mean, those characters really were on this interesting path. And Batman was kind of, uh, he was there, but I feel like that was also around the time that Kelly Jones had a lot of stuff going on with Batman and the Vengeance of Bane. Yeah, they broke his back, right? They replaced him with, um, what was his name? Uh, Azriel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, the so, night quest night, night quest yeah i remember that yeah <clears throat> there was just so much shakeup, and they even took the x-men and put them for a while in the um in the age of apocalypse stuff mm-hmm. of course this was all you know more through the 90s and everything but uh there was a lot of shakeup. but getting back to her boy kyle rayner here um you know we talked about how jordan's suit what do you think of kyle's suit what's your take on it it's got that 90s kitsch, you know, but yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, it was a nice kind of segue from that classic suit. I mean, you it's hard to outdo the classic suit, but shout out to Daryl Banks, the penciler, you know, coming up with this really interesting design. And, you know, we did the special Comic-Con episode, um, or Heroes Con, I should say. Daryl Banks was one of the first tables that I wanted to stop by because I actually wrote to him in the nineties and he was nice enough to send me a sketch in the mail of Kyle Rayner, which was another thing that I'm sure just locked me in with the character. Yeah. That's Um, incredible. Yeah. But, but great design. Um, you know, there's kind of that armored look to it, I guess you could say a little bit with the boots and the, like, what are they called? Bracers, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That mask is something else. And the, the, moment where he de- he decides to design this suit which really he's you know inspired to do so by his ex-girlfriend um he's like i'm a graphic designer i should make this interesting so the challenge is up and that, i mean incorporating the logo in that really interesting way on like the upper chest region there and then still sticking with that color scheme you know that really classic color scheme with the white that you were talking about yep but definitely like a different take so it's like the 90s just invaded green lantern and we sped out this amazing 90s green lantern so i like it but again i'm a 90s baby i'm not driving an 80s mercedes so that's, that's <laughs> kind of the thing yeah so, i mean I was growing up in the 90s yeah I, I mean i love this suit too like that i remember finding this issue that number 51 here uh finding it at drugstore is called Revco. I don't think Revco is still a drugstore. Oh, yeah. I remember Revco. Yeah. Um, but I remember finding they had like one issue left and I was blown away that they would still have one issue left because I knew that it had kind of taken off a little bit and was popular. And that cover, I love that cover. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I definitely see the 90s look of it. Oh, yeah. 
but the way they work the the blacks and the on his suit, uh, the, you know, because I, I guess that could visually be so boring if his suit is truly completely black. And so I guess it was always up to the colorist to, you know, differentiate between the shades and everything. But I, I don't know. I, I love this cover. Um, yeah. Him zooming towards us. And his the new symbol back there in the, in the background. Uh, yeah. It all begins here. Uh, I loved it. I guess we should sum it up pretty quickly, and then we can just talk about our thoughts about the issue. Um, you want me to sum it up for us? Yeah, and I'll give a quick shout out. You mentioned the colorist, so uh, Steve Matson was the colorist on that. I already talked about the amazing and kind Daryl Banks. Uh, Ron Mars was the writer. We've got Romeo Tagal or Tangal um, inking Albert de Guzman doing the letters, and then Kevin Dooley being the editor there. But um, yeah, yeah. If you want to tell us what was going on in this issue, and I know you read some of the connecting issues too. Yeah, so in the very beginning of it, <clears throat> very beginning of the issue, he's getting thrown through a plate glass window, um, not really understanding how to do his job as a Green Lantern, getting mm-hmm. getting beaten pretty pretty soundly by this uh, guy. I don't know if he is anybody legitimate from D.C., or yeah. he was just a, you know, a throwaway villain here, but he's, he's getting pretty severely beaten. And then um, you have a flashback to the night before where mm-hmm. he shows up at his ex-girlfriend's um, apartment and he shows her what has happened. The fact that he's now <clears throat> a Green Lantern. He's sporting this suit, the, the Hal Jordan suit. And, um, he says that just some guy uh, in a red dress approaches him in the alley out, outside of a club and gives him the ring. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of funny that it takes his girlfriend to say, uh, you're really not making the connection with Green Lantern? With a what? It's almost <laughs> like he doesn't know who Green Lantern is. And then he remembers and is like, oh, wait, he could fly. Do you think? And sure enough, he can fly. Yeah. But she sees it's real and he's, you know, playing around with the ring and showing that he can um, have like his regular clothes underneath um, or, you know, the ring can manifest that. And so um, he gets up the next morning and they see Mr. Bad Guy here in the city. Yeah. And he figures out that it's, it's like, uh, it's his job. And so he, he tackles him and gets pretty soundly beaten for a while until, um, let's see. Uh, he kind of starts to get that lantern mojo. Yeah. I was looking to see if there was like anything that she said or, you know, so, some little thing. So, well, maybe some big moment that <clears throat> makes him into a hero, but really he just kind of learns, learns the ropes right here and yeah. uh, defeats the bad guy and ends up being the, the winner of the battle. And like you say, at the end of it, he, he, um, he makes a suit and then you see Mongol, uh, escape by the end of it. And yeah. so it's kind of like a, an epilogue, I guess, maybe where 
uh, Mongol breaks free at the end from his his high tech prison, leading to that next part of the story. Yep, and Mongol was a pretty legitimate bad guy. Like he was, he was in Superman's class, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was, uh, and I think in in recent iterations, maybe a female too. Oh, really? Pretty, yeah, pretty strong character. And you're right about um, this kind of one-off villain. I think his name is Om. Yeah. Say that with me, Om. Yeah. Centered Om. Um, he he, I guess, is kind of there to be like the initial threat. And Alex kind of sees this is the, the girlfriend. Um, kind of sees this happening and playing out and is like, no, but um, she's she's watching it. She's not actually there jumping in and inspiring him, but maybe it's from a distance. Yeah. From a distance she inspires him because you've got that. He's cradled in the fetal position, um, and then he's like, no, this is not right. And so he finds his lantern mojo. And it definitely... I mean, I, I like a good story. So I like the fact that we start mid-battle. We get the flashback to kind of tell us a little bit more. We jump back into the battle, and you're absolutely right about the way that it kind of connects and sets up with uh, Mongol. And then, of course, as you mentioned, we have the whole parallax thing. So a really, really strong set of stories there. And um, I know we were also going to mention the Alex DeWitt character because... That's a whole other interesting part of this story, right? Yeah, pretty infamous um, part of the story here. Um, you want to tell us about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and if you want to fill in some details as well, by all means. But essentially, oh, by the way, I just heard from our um, fact checkers that the city that we were talking about for Hal Jordan, that was Coast City. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, Coast City for those of you that are that are taking notes at home. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, so basically, it's the story of a female character who becomes kind of a foil, kind of a, a plot point instead of more of a fleshed out character. She is killed by who was the villain that killed her? Do you remember? Uh, I know he has the word major in his name. Yeah. Apparently not that major because neither one of us remembered off the top of our heads. Yeah. But, um, you yeah. keep talking. I'll try to find it here. Cool. Cool. So yeah, she is uh, killed in a kind of a Dexter sort of way. I won't, won't really go into the full description there, but suffice it to say it's known as uh, the phrase women in refrigerators. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about that Marvel link as well. Um, Marvel comes under the same criticism um, for characters like Mockingbird in the 90s and in the 80s, especially the 80s for Marvel, that are kind of used in this way to, you know, embolden some of the heroic male characters to go and avenge them. So uh, it's an unfortunate part of the story, probably my least favorite part of the story, but definitely... Um, yeah, definitely there. Worth talking about. Um, thinking about the way women are represented in comics. Major force. Ah, the, yeah, major force. And then, yeah, you're right. That that was it. Was a brutal scene. It doesn't visually. It doesn't dwell on it. But he certainly opens the fridge enough to see 
the bad stuff. And I remember yeah. just being shocked. Um, oh, yeah. And finding something like that in a mainstream comic. Like, I wouldn't have been able to say, this is mainstream comics. You don't do that. Maybe in some indie thing. I wouldn't have had that kind of knowledge back then. But just to see it in, you know, something like a Green Lantern comic, I was pretty blown away by it. But, yeah, you're right. That criticism of they're just really there for inspiration. You know, they're not yeah. there as their own character with um, their own motivations and their own complex personalities or characterization they're just there to get the hero mad when they get hurt right yeah right yeah and that's the avengers dynamic um with mockingbird was very similar if i'm remembering correctly in the 80s kind of uh gets abused by a character who is then you know avenged upon or revenged upon um because of those things that happen so yeah she but like she did it right, didn't she? She was the one that dropped that character who had um, abused her and mm -hmm. killed him, and that led to like a big division because Avengers don't kill, you know, in the comics in the nineties. Um, but yeah, still that that idea there of being a victim, you know, instead yeah. of instead of their own character. But in general, you know kind of moving past that topic just in general that that first issue it had me i mean you know i felt Definitely. like the the way the story played out like you already said it was you you started in the middle of it and then there's the flashback and then i'm sure i had seen something like that by that point when i was reading it but it you know the the story setup had me engrossed and and definitely compelled me to to keep buying i was trying yeah. to look and see how far i went um i want to say that was 51 i want to say that i had through maybe 93 i would say 93 uh nice. and they, yeah and they did that same thing they tried to revisit that green lantern green arrow partnership mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Rainer, and even the friendship with the flash then was wally west and so they had a team up there um or two if i remember right um there's another issue i was going to talk about though and it was issue number 59 and is there anything else you want to say about 51 I, I'm just going to give love to the writers. I mean, I know we talked about some of the parts of the story that were more controversial at the time, but uh, thinking about like when I've read the story of the death of Superman again, like the ways that that story came about. And I, I can picture these guys sitting around in a room kind of talking about like, well, what if we just killed him? You know, like this kind of thing, like you've got characters that have been around for decades yep. and and to sustain a storyline to keep fandom happy like that's that's not an easy job and i just appreciate uh even even with all the quirks even with all the things i appreciate the way that writers do that over time and you mentioned too i want to give uh, a special shout out as well to both neil adams and denny o'neill who both passed away this past year so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And it's such a hard task to to do that, to write these 
this serialized fiction and keep it fresh, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because and, I, I mean, and I, not anger people that love the characters. Right. And yeah, and they do every time. And I got to admit, like when I was much younger, I would get angry. I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you messing up? So and so bring him back, bring him back. Right. As I got older and matured, I was like, Oh, because you have to have different arcs. You can't tell the same story for literally decades upon decades. You have to do something to to push the character in a a different direction, or you know, just tell a fresh story. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess I, I read somewhere that these stories they kind of have the illusion of change, right? Right. And to a certain extent, I guess that's true. Uh, you can't truly change. I mean, Spider Man's not uh, what seventy some at this point, you know. Yeah, um, I guess there still, are those... still in high school, young married. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> I guess there are those characters like Invincible, but that was you know all written by the same guy, and um, he ended that series right. So like he was, yeah, I think so. Yeah, able to age him and follow him, and of course Eric Larson did that with the Savage Dragon too, mm-hmm. because the original one is gone, and now it's his son that's in his place as the as the dragon so um but another issue in the whole kyle rayner green lantern that i wanted to point out was issue 59 and i I gotta admit here i am a sucker for a christmas comic issue yeah yeah aren't you it kind of seems to go part and parcel with with comics absolutely i've i've still got like good memories of one that i really love that was kind of like a like an anthology kind of issue with all of these shorter stories in it yep it has um you might know it it has all the characters like on the front cover um decorating a christmas tree yes is it the red like superman is looking in the red bulb yes oh yes yep yep but this was like the the Christmas issue of Green Lantern, and I know this is like cheesy, but I remember because I was still young enough to still like be with my parents, you know, on errands and everything. I wasn't like working a job yet or anything. And I remember mm-hmm. just sitting there in the mall, waiting on my parents to do some things, and I had that Christmas issue, and Kyle Rayner was feeling kind of alone, and uh, he's now in New York. He moved away from. California, which is where 51 was set, <clears throat> and he moves to New York, and he's trying to make a a name for himself as a hero with uh, the Titans, I think. Uh huh. And so he's just on uh, on monitor duty, feeling very lonely, and um, he's you know his uh, mind starts playing tricks on him. He's like, I got to I got to get out of here. I got to get some fresh air. And then on the screen behind him, you know, you see the bad guy for the uh, for the issue, which he eventually does encounter anyway, even without getting alerted by monitor duty. And just the whole concept of him being alone on Christmas, you know, missing his ex-girlfriend, uh, having like visions of her, and then uh, going out, tackling the bad guy. And then, mm-hmm. um, is it Wonder? I don't think she was called this at the time, but Wonder Girl, is that right? That sounds right. Yeah. She 
had like kind of said goodbye to him on monitor duty, but she comes back by the end and, you know, it looks like they're starting to maybe form a relationship and I don't know. I just thought it was such a unique comic, you know, a unique little story. Yeah. Um, especially for that time period when, and, the, and I'm not throwing off on it, but like image comics with like their huge guns and their, Okay, I guess I am going to throw off on it. Maybe some nonsensical <laughs> stories um, yeah. where it was all just like splash pages and craziness. And I felt like this was such a nice little human story. You know, it wasn't so much about his powers. It was about like the guy underneath the mask. And yeah, I don't know. I, that was one that just always stuck with me. I thought it was just one of the best Christmas issues I had read. So. Definitely, definitely. And uh, yeah, I like those like closer to home issues sometimes. As a kid, sometimes I wouldn't get into them quite as much as some of the more bombastic things. But uh, yeah, and that was Donna Troy. That was yeah. Donna Troy. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. Wonder Girl. Yep. Okay, yeah. Um, and then let's see. There was something else. Oh, I was going to mention Ron Mars as the writer. Um, because he had a very healthy run on Silver Surfer, didn't he? Is that right? Yeah. 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 He did a lot of Silver Surfer with an artist named Ron Lim. And it was um, it's a very long run, very well regarded, very popular. And I love that too. He, so I, I really, I know he did the whole, I guess he was the person that kind of originated the, the, the woman in the refrigerator, which is horrible, mm-hmm. but you know, excluding that, um, I really didn't enjoy him as a writer. I felt like he had these, he, he wove in like these quiet moments. Yeah. You know, he did it with the surfer and like with him examining, um, humanity. And so I'm, I'm going to do a total digression here. Can I do that for, for a minute? I'm I'm curious to see if you are on the same digression I just went on in my mind. Probably not because I'm thinking about one certain issue that Ron Mars did. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Go he for did, it. He did this issue of Silver Surfer where um, I think it was during the Infinity Gauntlet and like everything's going crazy and the rhino is um, setting animals free from the zoo. And the surfer's like, what are you doing? And the rhino's like, these things need to be free. You know, it's the end of the world anyway. What does it matter? Yeah. And so he like tries to, the surfer and the rhino kind of fight back and forth. And of course, it's no contest really. But then off panel, you hear that one of the tigers that rhino set free is shot. And it was just, again, you know, rhino's so, such a, a big, bulky, meathead of a character but he mm-hmm. felt so much for those animals and it was a again a ron mars nice moment of humanity with these larger than life characters yeah and yeah. i just love that with the rhino like he cried i think when the animal was shot and i don't man, i just thought that was so awesome but that was my digression <laughs> i'll see you in my was- in my head, I was thinking about like Dr. Manhattan and that whole like removed look at humanity and just how cool that is. So that was yeah. that was where my brain went. But yeah, that like 
humanizing of characters definitely definitely a cool thing and um i'm, I'm gonna give another shout out to a mini series in the green lantern sphere that i've read a little bit of and it's kind of been on my list to read more of and that's far sector have you seen far sector no i haven't it's uh, a science fiction writer nk jemison and i mean it's got its own like unique design to it and definitely oh, yeah. the first time i saw an issue i did not realize it was a green lantern book um but definitely one that's that's pretty cool that's become a little more popular recently and definitely you can tell from a science fiction writer who is you know exploring comics and the grand green lantern in this one is uh sojourner malane so kind of a an interesting one that i'd like to check out a little bit more of at some point yeah that, that sounds very interesting very intriguing and you know i will say this too um talking about ron mars and like those very human stories about these larger than life characters in the 90s i think they ever they get overlooked sometimes when people talk about the 90s mm -hmm. so many times people are like oh the 90s sucked because it was all like big guns and gross anatomy and and that you know those, those things were there of course they were yeah, yeah. but there were uh, there was also some really good stories written definitely and, and some very um i guess i'm you know beating a dead horse by saying just the the humanity of the characters were brought out in a lot of those stories and that that doesn't get talked about as much when people are, are thrown off on the 90s you know True enough. True enough. The good stuff was there too. You just had to know where to look. And another challenge for those writers tackling characters that, you know, you have certain expectations. You want the big fight scenes. You want the splash pages. You want all of that. But um, to be a really good character that stands the test of time, you got to have those human things happening too and those motivations. So one of the, one of the masters of that. Yeah. And I was, you know, thinking back to just the other day, I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about the ending of a lot of Marvel stuff was sometimes just a, and they weren't thrown off on it because they really liked the shows and the movies and everything, but it was saying that it was like a, a laser finale, you know, everybody was mm -hmm. having lasers and like lasers firing and everything. And I guess that's why a lot of times with the comics, Sometimes I don't even remember the ending of the stories. Right. I remember him on the beach saying he is a graphic artist and maybe he can create something new. And he has this new suit like you were talking about, you know, the new Green Lantern suit, the, the smaller moments with these characters that we love. Um, but, yeah, it, I, it's a hard job to write stuff like this for any amount of time and make it compelling, you know. Yeah, yeah, and definitely a good revisit to check out the 90s Green Lantern and see the development of that character then. Absolutely. All right, well, <clears throat> do you have anything else to say about Green Lantern and Kyle Rayner and, and Brightest Day and Darkest Night? That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. No evil shall escape my sight. <laughs> that's right. That was going to be my final word. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think... Uh, we might tackle the Dark Phoenix saga next. The the what is that? Is that a is that a new thing? 
It's well, most people haven't heard of it. Most, it's yeah. like it was from this little indie comic. Yeah, called X X Men, I think. Oh yeah, uh, about like ex wives, ex husbands. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it was um, it's a very famous uh, storyline for what I consider to be very good reasons. Uh, to me, it's one of the best comic stories of all time. Um, so I cannot wait to discuss that with you and, and tackle those issues with you. Yeah, looking forward to digging into some X-Men. And, uh, you know, they could think about making a movie of that Dark Phoenix. They really should. Be so, yeah, you know, somebody should try to tell that story again because I don't think it's ever been done. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think <clears throat> Yeah, no. Well, so we will, um, well, we'll see one another again to do Dark Phoenix, but we will, I guess, talk with the rest of you out there on the next episode. And you know what we always say, other than in, in brightest day and darkest night. We like to say, say to stay obsessive. About comics, about wow. comics, not chewing your fingernails. Goodness knows it's flu season. You don't want to do that, but uh, definitely comics. Stay obsessive. Stay obsessive. <laughs>